This morning, as we come to the proclamation of God's Word, we're taking a break from the Ten Commandments that we have been looking at to consider a couple uh, incidents in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ as we are in the Advent season. And of course, we don't feel any obligation that we have to do this. There's no real church calendar that says you must celebrate Christmas, but it does help to reflect upon the coming of Christ and what that means for us as His people. And so our sermon text this morning comes from Luke 2. We have in here verses 1 through 20, though we'll be focusing on mainly verses 8 through 20. Hear God's word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went out from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary as betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And they saw it. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told them. This is God's Word. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your Word once again. We're thankful for its truth, for what it teaches us about ourselves and about you and how we might know you. And so, Father, I pray as it is proclaimed now that your spirit would attend to the preaching of that word, 
that you would use it to minister truth in the hearts of your people, that you would strengthen faith where it is, and where there is no faith, that you would create that faith that they might believe. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So within this Advent narrative, of course, there are many characters that as Christians we relate to and that we find endearing. We, we marvel at the faith of Mary, that lowly Hebrew virgin who conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. We respect Joseph, her husband, for standing beside her, though he was not Jesus' biological father, and he cared for him as an infant child, as his own. And it is true, we know from the Scriptures that God throughout time has called and raised up many a person of faith to bring about the great miracle of the incarnation of Christ. God's plan to dwell with us came about through prophets and priests and patriarchs and kings. We marvel at the courage of Moses and Joshua who led God's people towards the fulfillment of his promises. We know of Isaac and Abraham and Jacob who believed God's covenant promises long ago. And we recognize King David as the one to whom was promised an heir whose throne would never end. But in all of God's redemptive history, there is one group of people who has always stood out to me in the story of God's redemption in Christ's birth, and that would be these shepherds. And perhaps more than anyone else in the Advent narrative, the shepherds are the people to whom you and I can relate the most. For the shepherds were a lot like us, just ordinary people going about life unnoticed, but then God's grace broke through into their lives and everything changes for them. You see, God specializes in that. From the shepherd's story, we learn that Christ, the extraordinary Savior, redeems ordinary people like you and me. So let's consider that this morning. Let's just first begin by considering how ordinary these shepherds really were. Now, we don't know much about them. Luke doesn't tell us how many of them were there in the, the fields of Bethlehem. We don't even know what their names are. All we know is that they were shepherds who kept their sheep outside in the pastures around the town of Bethlehem. Now, while we don't know many personal details about these men in particular, we do know something about shepherds during the time of Jesus' birth. We know how they lived. We know how they worked. They worked outdoors, but they also lived outdoors most of the year. Sheep were always in danger from predators or thieves, so shepherds had to defend them. They had to be around them all of the time. Sun and rain and cold and heat, they needed to be with the sheep. 
And the sheep, well, they're not the smartest animals in the world, if you know anything about sheep. They have a tendency to, to get themselves into trouble, it seems, all the time. And then when you rescue them from that trouble, they get back into it. Uh, not long ago, there was a viral video going around of a, a man, I think this was out in Europe somewhere, and he pulls a lamb out of this thin trench that was near the side of the road that had been stuck there. And so he pulls and he finally frees the lamb. It takes about two bounds of freedom and then jumps right back into the same trench and gets stuck again. That's what sheep do. They get themselves into trouble. They're always in danger. And so the shepherds must be with them 24-7, remaining on constant vigil. Now, I imagine there was great frustration and stress in that hard labor. <laughs> it was no doubt tedious, exhausting work. Being a shepherd certainly was not a glamorous role. Furthermore, it was a role that these shepherds would never leave. There was no shepherding ladder you could climb up to become the CEO of Pastures Unlimited. Once you were born a shepherd, you stayed a shepherd. In fact, that's how it was for these men. These shepherds near Bethlehem would have come from shepherding families. Their fathers were shepherds, as were their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers before them, because shepherds held a much-needed role in the life and society of the people of Israel in that day. Sheep, of course, were a valued commodity. They provided wool from which you could make clothing and meat and milk for food. They were a ceremonially clean animal according to God's laws, regulating the temple sacrifices. In fact, tradition tells us that the sheep that were used for those temple sacrifices were kept in the fields of Bethlehem. Now, we can't be certain about that. There isn't a whole lot of historical evidence to back that up. But what we do know is that Bethlehem was, in fact, surrounded by many sheep pastures, just as Luke indicates here in his gospel. And while sheep were ceremonially clean according to God's law, the shepherds by the people of their day, were not considered clean people. In fact, they were little more than outcasts of society living on the edge of town. Some sources indicate that shepherds were thought of as being barbaric or dirty and untrustworthy, so much so that their testimony was not allowed in a court of law. Shepherds were at the bottom of the social ladder, just a step up of those who had the terrible disease of leprosy. Now, the shepherds of Bethlehem, however, while they may have been outcasts of society, certainly were not ignorant men when it came to God's covenant promises. They were Jewish men. They were Hebrew. They probably had committed to heart many parts of God's law. They don't, no doubt recalled with fondness as they sat many a cold night watching their sheep the, uh, the fact that Israel's greatest king, King David, was once one of them, a shepherd just like them, who would become king. Now that's something to marvel at. And perhaps the only thing more amazing than a, 
then a shepherd becoming a king would be a king who became a shepherd. As they wandered those fields of Bethlehem, perhaps these shepherds would sing together the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And there in that psalm, God likens Himself to a a shepherd just like them. And as they cared for the sheep and protected them and healed them when they were sick and fed them when they were hungry and promised, uh, God had promised to protect His people and to heal them and feed them and lead them and rescue them. And so as the shepherds dwelt in the midst of the sheep, they remember God's promises, a promise of grace to dwell with His people. But when would this be? When would the promised Redeemer come, the one of whom Isaiah described as tending to his flock like a shepherd, gathering the lambs in his arms, carrying his people like sheep in his bosom, and gently leading those who are with young? Because from exile to invaders to foreign kings and emperors, God's people languished in a cold, dark night of unbelief, oppression, and sin. And the prophets were long silenced. The priests had become corrupt, and they were little more than puppets of their Roman occupiers. And where was the deliverer? Yes, like so many of us, the shepherds of Bethlehem, We're just ordinary people living ordinary lives, trying to survive life in a sin-cursed and broken world. But it is to such people that God does come. It is to such people that God brings His salvation. You see, God reveals His gospel to ordinary people like the shepherds, like you and like me. In many ways, the night in which these shepherds in Luke's text were watching their sheep was not unlike any other night in their lives. Darkness slowly descends upon the pastures around Bethlehem. The bleeding of the sheep slowly lulls as they begin to bed down for the night. But then, at some point in the night, in the darkness there appears a bright light. And tearing back that thin veil that separates this visible world from the invisible spiritual world is an angel of God. As Luke describes in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were filled with great fear. The glory of Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, chose to in the most spectacular of ways to announce to these simple shepherds the news that their hearts were hoping to hear. But the first response to this majestic display of God's messenger is fear. As fear is often the response we see in the Bible when God sends an angelic messenger, and little wonder for the sight is one that can hardly be described. 
But the fear is necessary at first. Why? Well, because fear humbles a person. Fear exposes you to what you are, that you are powerless, you are vulnerable. And in the light of God's glory, the f- what fear exposes is the very fact that our hearts are sinful and fallen, that we have broken God's law. We are not worthy to stand in the brightness of His glorious presence, even if it's just reflected by angels. You see, all have sinned and fallen short of what, says Paul say, the glory of God. And to see then His glory displayed in all of its beauty and holiness, it is a fearful thing indeed, but oh, a necessary one. Because when we fear God, when we are humbled before Him, then our hearts will stand open and ready to receive His mercy. You see, God's grace is what drives away the fear. That's how the gospel works. You must first understand the bad news that we have sinned and all gone astray, that we have all broken God's law, and that we deserve His holy justice. That's the fear. But when we come in fearful repentance before God, His grace drives away all that fear as He pardons us and restores us to Himself. And Luke records then the words that the angel speaks to the shepherds, words of grace. The angel said to them, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. There is now no reason to fear. God's glory has been revealed to the shepherds not to bring judgment upon them, but to bring them great joy. And this joyous good news is for all the people, shepherds and kings and men and women and the elderly and infants, ordinary people, just like these men watching their sheep in the fields of Bethlehem. And what is that message of joy? Verses 11 and 12, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. A Savior is born, but not just any Savior. Christ the Lord. And Christ is a title that means anointed one or chosen one. This Savior is chosen to save from all sorrow, sin, and suffering. This is Christ the Lord. And by calling Him Lord, the angel is designating that this Savior is God Himself. In Luke's gospel, the title Lord has been used 12 times up to this point that we get to in verse 11. And each time it is used, it is used to speak of God in heaven. And here, though, for the very first time in Luke's gospel, it's used in reference to Jesus. Why? Because of what the angel was declaring, that Jesus is the God of heaven. He is not some separate creation. He is God Himself, robed in the flesh, just like us. 
So the gospel the angel preaches to the shepherds is that the Savior is none other than God himself who has come down, born as a baby, wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. This Savior is Emmanuel, God with us. But notice something else wonderful about the angel's gospel proclamation to these shepherds. To whom does he say God has come down? He says to the shepherds that this baby is born Unto you, unto you, unto you simple shepherds who live day and night in these fields, unto you who are rejected by so many, God has come. Unto you is born the high king of heaven. Yes, God reveals his gospel to ordinary people like these shepherds. The king had come down in the most humble of ways to save his people from their sins. The king had come down, born as a baby unto shepherds. The king had become a shepherd who would lead his people into salvation. For Jesus is the good shepherd. And to leave no doubt that this baby truly is the king of glory, come to save his people. The angel is now joined by an entire host of heaven. And suddenly, Luke writes in verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I mean, if one angel wasn't enough to display God's glory, how much more is a multitude as without warning the night sky explodes in this angelic host and the fields of Bethlehem become a great concert hall with soaring praises to God Almighty. For God's peace had come with the baby in the manger, and his gracious pleasure smiles down upon ordinary people who needed his grace to deliver them from their own unrighteous hearts, ordinary people like these shepherds, ordinary people like you and me. Notice in the angelic praise is this message of peace, not fear, because that's been dispelled now by joy. There is no judgment, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This wonderful news of the gospel brings peace, peace with God. Real joy can only be known when hearts are made right with God through faith in Christ. And that is why this baby has come. That is what he has come to do. And so God reveals his wonderful gospel to ordinary people. But the gospel is far more than just a message, just news of peace and joy. It is a message that actually leads you to a person. Because not only does God reveal his ordinary gospel or his extraordinary gospel to ordinary people. But ordinary people can know the extraordinary Savior in a very real and personal way. The host of heaven fades away into the night, and the veil between the spiritual world and our physical world is once again drawn closed. But not all the heavenly beings 
had hidden themselves from view. For if the gospel that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds was true, there was still one being from heaven who is now clothed in flesh and blood of humanity who dwells among men. God himself had come down to dwell with man, and the shepherds would need to find him. But how would they find him? How would they know they had found this Savior? They would know because, as the angel said, God had given them a sign. What was that sign? Well, the angel said, this will be a sign to you. Verse 12, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. A simple sign. A baby wrapped in swaddling clothing, strips of cloth commonly used in that day to wrap up infants to keep them warm, much like we use a baby blanket today to wrap up a baby and turn them into a little warm burrito. But that was it. A simple sign of which they were familiar. And on top of that, they would find the baby in a manger, a place for livestock to feed, a place for maybe even sheep to feed, an object the shepherds knew very well. And the, so the Savior would not be hard to find at all. The shepherds could look to the sign God had given to them so that they might know Him. And that sign was not something of which they were unfamiliar. They knew it very well. All they had to do was to go out in faith and look. And that's exactly what we're told they did. Luke tells us in verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Consider this for a moment because it's rather quite remarkable. First, they say, let's go see this thing that God has done. They recognize that this is the wonderful work of God in sending us the Savior who is God himself. And furthermore, they acknowledge that it is God who has revealed this to them. They would have never known that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem had God not opened their eyes to the truth of his word proclaimed to them by the angels. The message they received in their hearts was a supernatural work of God showing them how they might know this Savior. And then Luke tells us, they responded to that message with haste. They do not delay. They do not put it off to another day. In fact, they make no provision for their sheep. Do you notice that? They just leave them. And remember, shepherds are supposed to stay with the sheep all the time, but they don't do that. They go out and they leave them. They leave that very means of income and life. Even their identity is tied to sheep. It's in their title, shepherds. But they left all that behind, and they go to meet Jesus. That took faith. It meant they had to accept the message of the angels as God's true word. And in receiving it as truth, 
they went out to take in the sign that God had given them. And they found him. They found Christ, the babe, lying in the manger along with his mother Mary and father Joseph. Yes, ordinary people can know the extraordinary Savior. They can actually know him, and it only takes faith to do so. Just like the shepherds of Bethlehem, God has given his word to you and I, and he has given us signs which confirm that word of truth in our hearts. You see, we have more of God's truth than the shepherds ever had. God has revealed to us in the entire the entire history of redemption in his word, in the Bible. And so from Genesis to Revelation, we can hear God's voice speaking in those written words the truth that God does redeem sinners from their sin and make them his people both now and for all eternity. And in knowing this truth, we can believe in it through the work of His Holy Spirit who leads us to Jesus the Son. We as ordinary people, just like the shepherds, can know the baby who is King of all the earth. The King who becomes our Good Shepherd. But not only has God given us His Word to show us and lead us to Christ, He's given us signs as well. Signs of His covenant love and grace. That's what baptism and the Lord's Supper are. Just like the sign to the shepherds that was given, pointing them to Christ, so we have those signs in the table and in the waters of baptism pointing us to our Christ and what He has done for us. Baptism is a sign that points us to the truth that God makes us to belong to Him through the washing away, the remission of our sins, washed away by the blood of Christ. Your baptism preaches to you that God regenerates. He makes new life. He gives you a new life in Christ Jesus. And so if you are baptized, think upon it often. It declares to you, it preaches to you, it proclaims to you, and reminds you of the benefits that are yours in Jesus, that you are sealed and united unto Him, and He has washed you clean from every stain of sin. And the Lord's Supper, it is a perpetual sign of Jesus' death, communicating that He gave Himself up as the good shepherd for his sheep, laying down his own life to save them so that they might be pardoned from all their unrighteousness. Jesus promises that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, he is with us, not bodily in the flesh because his body after the resurrection is ascended to the right hand of the Father where he intercedes graciously for his people, but he is with us spiritually at this table to nourish our faith, to strengthen us, to build us up. Yes, just like the shepherds, we have signs that point us to the baby in the manger who lived and died and rose for our salvation. And when we partake of them, we meet him, we know him, 
and it changes everything. You see, when the extraordinary Savior comes to you and you know him, your life is never the same. When God forgives you of all your unrighteousness, pardoning every sin and restoring you back into peace with him, your life cannot be the same. The Bible says you are now a new creation. You are part of God's family, his covenant people, united to Christ forever and nothing can change that. That kind of joy is not something you can keep to yourself. I mean, look what the shepherds did in verses 17 and 18. Immediately after they find Jesus, what does it say? When they saw it, when they saw God's sign, when they met the Savior, they made known the saying that had been told unto them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They told everyone they met that God had revealed to them the Savior through word and through a sign, and they knew him. They bore witness to the truth of the gospel that the angels proclaimed. And not only that, their lives were completely changed as well. Luke tells us that after meeting Jesus, the shepherds returned to their sheep. They returned to the, the same fields, the same flocks where they were before. They went back to keeping sheep just as they had always done. They went back to the same old job. But something was different now. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. See, now they didn't just keep sheep, but they glorified and they praised God for the good news they had heard, the Savior they had met, the truth that had been planted in our hearts. They glorified God even through that simple work they did of keeping sheep. They glorified and praised God because now they could. Now they were restored. Now their work meant something for the kingdom of God. Now they could do it in praise of the Most High because they had been cleansed from their sins. They had met the Savior. Through faith, they are made whole. And that's what happens when ordinary people meet this extraordinary Savior. And so the question is then for you is, have you met Him? Have you, like the shepherds, left all the things you claim as your identity and run with haste to the baby who was born, who has come and died and has risen and ascended? Have you found your identity in Him and Him alone? Have you followed the signs of baptism in the Lord's Supper? Have you been encouraged by the light of God's Word that brings peace to your hearts? because it confirms that you are in peace with God who has shown you his gracious favor. And if you haven't met him, what is stopping you? Go to him in faith. He is not far. He is not far. And if you have gone to him, if you do know him, then praise him like the shepherds. Do not be discouraged by 
your seemingly ordinary life because you know the extraordinary Savior. You know the King. You know the King who became a shepherd to save his sheep from all their sin. And so praise him like the shepherds. Let us pray.